morning. Our scripture today is found on page 13 in your bulletin. It's from Mark chapter 1. Before we read together, though, please join me in a prayer of illumination. Our Father, we thank you for your written word. We thank you for its sweeping grandeur and for the big story that it reveals from start to finish. Lord, we know that it is only through the work of your Holy Spirit that we can rightly understand it. And so we pray that you would illumine our minds and open our hearts so that as we encounter your written word, we may be drawn to the living word, your son Jesus. Lord, we know that he is the center of this big story. And so we pray that as we encounter uh, your word in fresh ways through Pastor Larry, that your spirit would energize what he has to say to us and thereby enable us to encounter the living word, Jesus, in new ways this morning. We thank you for him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It is a gift to be with you today. Last Sunday morning, I was with a church in upstate New York that began in 1775. And as you can imagine, a church with that kind of history has all kinds of amazing stories. And one of the people took me uh, through their little sanctuary, and uh, he said, you know, up in the balcony, if you go there, and you look behind the pew, you will see in the pew the letter S scratched in. Because that's where the slaves had to sit. He said, but if you go a mile down the road, actually you can get, their church is kind of up on a hill, so you can actually look down. You can see one of the houses of one of the elders at that time, who if you go in the house, there's a trap door. He was part of the Underground Railroad that got slaves out. Imagine being part of that church where you have slaves in the balcony, and you've got an elder who's helping the Underground Railroad. That had to be interesting. Stories like that capture our imagination. You know, stories are amazing things. They are that which mold us and shape us and form us. We love stories. You know, whether it's a story that you've read on the beach during the summertime, a story uh, from a miniseries that you've been watching, or a story on the big screen, all of these stories get into our souls, get into our hearts, and they shape and mold us. An author by the name of Jonathan Gottschall says it this way, Story teaches us facts about the world, influences our moral logic, and, makes, and marks us with fears, hopes, and anxieties that alter our, our behavior. Research shows that story is constantly nibbling and needing us, changing our mind without our knowledge or consent. The more deeply we are cast under a story's spell, the more potent its influence. 
The more deeper we are cast under a story's spell, the more potent its influence. Think about this. What are a couple of your favorite stories? And what are the stories that have you deeply under their spell that have a potent influence in your life? Is it a political story? Is it a story of your favorite news organization? Is it a story of loss, a story of hope, a story of gladness, a story of tears? What's the story that has you under its influence so it has potency in your life? Now, for those of us here this morning who are followers of Jesus, there is a story that we want to say we are cast under its spell, that it has potent influence in our life, that it shapes us like no other story. And sometimes this is called the big story or the one true story of the whole world. It's the story of creation, fall, redemption, recreation. That's the big story. This morning, we want to take a slice of that really big story, a good news slice of that big story, and see what it has to teach us about being these people who are following after a God who does amazing things. So listen to the story. The beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Andrew, Simon, James, John, and Jesus came to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, they went to the synagogue. And Jesus began to teach, and the people were amazed by his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as a teacher of the law. As he was teaching, a man with an impure spirit in the synagogue shouted out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shrieked, shook the man, and came out of him. All the people were amazed. They said to each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority, he commands the impure spirits, and even they obey him. News spread about Jesus throughout Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue with James and John, they came to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about it. Jesus went over to her, took her hand, helped her up, and the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That night, after dark, people from the village came crowded around the door of the house where Jesus was and brought to him their sick. And Jesus healed all kinds of illnesses and he cast out demons, but he didn't let them speak because they knew who he was. Early the next morning, before the sun was up, Jesus went off to a solitary place to pray. Simon and the others came looking for him, and when they found him, they said, what are you doing? Everybody's looking for you. Jesus replied, we have to go to the other villages. I must preach there because that is why I came. And so Jesus went throughout the Galilees, proclaiming the good news 
and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came and fell on his knees before Jesus and said to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He said to the man, I am willing. And he reached out and he touched the man and immediately the leprosy left him. This is the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 1, parts of Mark chapter 1. The story. This is the good news of Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. The good news. The story that we want to shape us and mold us and form us. A good news story. So let's dive into the good news story for just a little bit this morning. It's a good news story that begins with Jesus and his disciples in the town of Capernaum, and they come into the synagogue, and immediately we see something different happening. Early in Mark chapter 1, we find John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is out in the wilderness area. Jesus, however, comes to the very center of power. The synagogue is a center of power for the Pharisees, and later on, he will go to the temple, which is the center of power for the Sadducees. And what we immediately see is Jesus says, listen, my ministry is going to take place at the center of things. And if I, my ministry takes place at the center of things. I'm going to talk about all the important issues of the day. Sometimes you don't recognize all the things that he is saying and all the way that he's challenging power and authority and politics and religion because we don't quite get all the background that's going on. But he steps into this place and he says, my ministry is going to be at the very center of things. And in fact, that's the way it was always supposed to be. Back when Israel first came to the land of promise, God put them not in some backwater place, but at the very center of the world. Every king that wanted to attack another king had to go through Israel. Israel had major trade routes running through it. And the idea was this. God said to them, I'm going to put you in this space because in this space you will stand before the world and everybody will see what it means to follow Yahweh. Everybody will be amazed by what it means to follow Yahweh. They will want to. Everybody will know what it means to do justice, to love mercy, walk humbly with God. Everybody's going to know that because you're going to show up. Sadly, Israel typically failed at that calling. Instead of saying at the crossroads, they often hit up in the hills away. But now Jesus has come. And Jesus is taking on the work of the people of Israel. And he is saying, when I am here... I am at the center of things. That's where ministry takes place, not out in the wilderness, but at the crossroads. You see, this is our story. This is the song we sing into the world. A story that not happen, doesn't happen at the peripheries, but happens at the center of things, where God calls us into every sphere, every sector of human life to claim it for Christ. That's our story. Jesus begins teaching, and when he begins teaching, people are amazed because he teaches as one who has authority, not as a teacher of the law. A teacher of the law would typically take what somebody else taught, and they would explain it. 
But now Jesus shows up on the scene and he says things like, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. And people are amazed. They're saying, this is a different way of understanding how we're supposed to be in the world. This is a different way of teaching than we've ever heard before. It's amazing. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we're going to see this. That Jesus comes teaching a different way. We see it in a lot of places, probably, but probably none better than the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' kingdom manifesto in Matthew 5 through 7, in which he says, as you enter every sphere, every sector of human life, this is how you live. This is how you forgive. This is how you care for the poor. This is how you pray. These are your sexual ethics. He gives a kingdom manifesto and says, this is how life is supposed to happen. And by the way, if you live this way, you will live as a wise person whose house is on a rock. But if you don't live this way, you are going to have heard what I said, but your house will be on the sand and it will collapse. See, this is our story. This is the song that we sing out into the world. It's a story that doesn't happen on the peripheries, but happens at the very center of things, at the crossroads. And we're at the crossroads, every sector, every sphere of human life. When we're in those places, we have a wise teacher who says, this is how you live there. This is our story. This is our song. As Jesus is doing his wise and good teaching, and a man with an impure spirit jumps up and shouts out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And Jesus' response is, Absolutely. I destroy the devil and all of his works, not because I'm touchy, not because I'm unhappy that you aren't doing my power thing. I have come to destroy the devil and all of his works because here's the thing when the devil and his minions get involved, people are destroyed. When the devil and his minions get involved, my desire that people have life and have it to the full doesn't happen. I love how James Cone talks about this part when he says, it disclosed that God and Jesus has brought liberation to the poor and the wretched of the land. That liberation is none other than the overthrow of everything that is against the fulfillment of their humanity. This is our story. This is the song we sing into the world. It's a story where when people say, are you here to destroy evil? We say, absolutely. It's a story that happens at the crossroads of life in every sphere, every sector of human life. It's a story that as we live out that story, we have a wise teacher who says, this is how you do it. This is our story. This is our song. The story continues. Jesus, James, John, head to the home of Simon and Andrew. And when they get there, they find Simon's mother-in-law in bed with a fever. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I read passages in the Bible and I go, that's just weird. 
right? So, so here's, here's the first miracle Jesus tossed on a demon, but this is the first physical miracle Jesus is going to do, right? Make somebody better. And we know Jesus is going to raise people from the dead. He's going to take, you know, make blind people see and all that kind of stuff. And, and so what's his really big first miracle? He heals a fever. I mean, a couple of Tylenol, right? Not a rest. It ought to be good. But Mark wants us to see something. The very first healing miracle that Jesus does is does, done for a woman. Women who in that culture were considered lesser than. So much so that many rabbis would pray every day, thank you God for not making me a woman. And Jesus steps into the scene. He says, you want to know who the kingdom of God is for? It's not just for men. My kingdom is for the for those who consider themselves greater than. My kingdom is for those who are lesser than. And the lesser than in my kingdom are going to be healed. The lesser than in my kingdom are going to be raised up. The lesser than. And then there's this really second part of this, which, again, I think strange. So he gets, you know, Simon law, Simon's mother-in-law up off the couch. The fever leaves her, and she begins to wait on them. And just in my own mind, I think, really? The woman's been sick. <laughs> right? Get your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> but again, Mark's getting after us. And so the Greek word, for you, those of you who like Greek kind of stuff, is diakoneo. And some of you can hear the word deacon in that. Well, there are two other times when diakoneo is used in the Gospel of Mark, just two other times. The first time already happened uh, earlier in Mark chapter 1. And the words go like this. And Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels waited on, or diakoneoed, him. So who serves in the Gospel of Mark? Angels. And Simon's mother-in-law. And then later on in chapter 10, Jesus talks about himself. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So who serves? Angels, Jesus, and Simon's mother-in-law. It's not just that the less than are being lifted up. The less than are being lifted up being compared to the angels and Jesus. See, that's our story. That's our song. It's a story that doesn't happen at the edge of things, but at the center it's a story in which we have a wise teacher who shows us the way to live at the center. It's a story when evil raises its ugly head and says, have you come to destroy us? We say, absolutely. It's a story where the lesser than are lifted up and compared to Jesus and the angels. That's our story. That's the song we sing into the world. There's more to the story Jesus goes off and he prays, he heals. But for this morning, just one other small part of the story. Willing, you can make me whole. A man with leprosy comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, 
If you are willing, you can make me whole. And we're told that Jesus is indignant. And we go, why? Why is Jesus indignant? Guys, just ask him to heal him. I mean, is he indignant because this man is supposed to come crawl, you know, crying out, unclean, unclean? Is he unhappy because Jesus is trying to get to the next village and the guy's blocking the way? What's the problem? Why is he indignant? Well, again, I, I think Mark actually answers this for us. A little bit later on in chapter 10, when it talks about Jesus and children, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus, whether it's little children or lepers. Now, if you know your Old Testament a little bit, you know that in the Old Testament, there were the times when the lepers are commanded to stay on the outskirts, are commanded to stay away. But here's what I think. I think Jesus is indignant. And it goes back to the beginning of the world when people fall into sin. And he says, you know, the way it's supposed to be, people are supposed to be welcomed. They're supposed to be included. They're supposed to be brought in. But because of sin, because of brokenness, because of disease, they are kept out. And I have come to change that. That those who are excluded are now included and brought into the family. I love how one commentator talks about it. When Jesus touches the leper, he interrupts the entire social and religious order. In healing the leper, Jesus not only restores him to physical health, but restores this unclean, shamed outsider to community and social standing. When Jesus touches the leper, he challenges lepers. Illusion that created a living death for countless people, not only for lepers, by isolating them from community. And then listen to these amazing words from the contemporary testimony, our world belongs to God. In a world where many journey alone, nameless in the bustling crowd, Satan and his evil forces seek whom they may scatter and isolate. But God by his gracious choosing in Christ, gathers a new community. Those who by God's gift put their trust in Christ. In this new community, all are welcome. The homeless come home. The broken find healing. The sinner makes a new start. The despised are esteemed. The least are honored. And the last are first. Here the Spirit guides and grace abounds. This is our story. This is the song that we sing out into the world. A story that doesn't happen at the outskirts, but it happens at the very crossroads of the world. At those crossroads, a wise teacher who teaches us how to live in that particular place, in that particular space. The story of one who says, Absolutely, I've come to destroy the devil and all of his works. The story where those who are considered less than are lifted up and compared to Jesus and the angels, where those who are excluded are brought home. This is our story. This is the song that we sing out into the world. As we step into the story, we recognize that as those who are followers of Jesus who want to live into the story, 
that we are called to be a picture, a foretaste, and an ambassador of the story. We are a picture of the story when people say, so what does it look like for people to be followers of Jesus? What does it look like for them to be these kind of people? They look at us as a community of faith and say, that's what it looks like. What those people are doing, how they live their life together. And if that's what they have, we want it. We are a picture. We are a foretaste. We spread ourselves out into the world and we give people a little taste of this amazing kingdom of God. And we are ambassadors. We proclaim this good news of Jesus the Messiah in every sector, every sphere of human life. And we call people to join this amazing movement of the kingdom of God, which begins when they recognize that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. They give their lives to him. They find their sins forgiven, and they're reconciled back to God. We are a picture. We are a foretaste. We are a amazing story. This is our story. This is our song. As we step into the coming days and the coming weeks as a community of faith, we stand and we say, God, how do you want us to sing this song? How do you want us to sing this song and tell the story so that the world is turned right side up and people come home? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.